They're the boys in the back room. We have a guy who works in the back, Eric Jones. He's the big German. Be nice to Marvin. He'll be taking your call today. Chat row, Tyler, the moderator, handling the duties there. A couple of weeks ago, Dylan was getting us breakfast. Now he's doing graphics on this program. You know who? Blame Mario. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the uh, backroom guys are not allowed to eat until 12.15. You're now listening to the 12.15 Club. Welcome back to the 12.15 Club. My name is Eric, the big German kid, filling in for Mario. And to quell any rumors that may be out there, Mario is fine. He is healthy. He is out dealing with a uh, family situation. So... We miss Mario. Hope he's uh, going to be back next week. But I'm uh, filling in again for him on 1215 Club. I'm joined today, as always, Tyler the Moderator, Dylan the Graphics Guy, Marvin the Call Screener, Marvin the Prince, Marvin the Great. He is filling in on the ones and twos at the board. And today we are joined by one Patrick Seton O'Connor. He's our guest of the day. Yay! Penny, jingle, jingle. Yay! Um... So we want to bring Seton in because this week marked the 13th year, the 13th anniversary of the Dan Patrick Show outside of the Mothership. And Seton's been with the show since it was at the Mothership. So I want to bring you on. My first question for you, Seton, is what's your first memory going back to ESPN, back to the Mothership? What's the first interaction you ever had with Dan? Um, well, you know, I, I've told the story before about seeing him walk the hallways uh, where he would, um, you know, he was always singing like songs like Avril Lavigne, Skater Boy, and yeah. stuff like that. And I'm like, and it always had curses in it, you know. And I'm like, oh my God, that's Dan Patrick. Like, you know, I grew up like sports, you know, and him and, and growing up are like so intertwined. And he's like, he was a skater boy, Mulligan, skater boy. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, dude, <laughs> what is he doing? Um, so that, and then, you know, I, before I was on his show, um, I would fill in on it, and so oftentimes when he was on remote covering a different event, I would fill in for him, or I would fill in for other people on his show, and so most of the times that I was interacting with him was, you know, over, like, ISDN or, you know, microphone, stuff like that, so, uh, and then it it wasn't until a couple years after I got there that I got put on his show, um, on the Dan Patrick show, and almost right away, the, as soon as I got full-time on that show, two of the producers left and it was just as the NBA finals were starting. And all of a sudden me and Dan were on the road, you know, two days a week or something like that. And just spent a ton of time in, you know, airport bars and hotel bars, hanging out, having beers and just really sort of developed a bond there. And then like, that's where we really got cool. And that's where, you know, he would pretend that I was his kid and stuff like that. <laughs> and you know, those things. Happened. So it kind of, once we got together, it kind of took off quick. When you were at ESPN, you were not on air with him though, right? No, no, definitely not. Um, Marvin, you had a question. Yeah, Seton, so when were you first approached about going along with Dan once he decided to leave ESPN? So he, uh, I was with, I was on the show at ESPN through the whole like contract process or whatever. And it was like, wow, it sounds like Dan might actually be leaving. Like this is a real thing. Um, and they, ESPN started getting the, you know, together replacements and who's going to take this time slot and all of that stuff. And it was a couple of weeks after Dan officially signed off the air and left the company that I just I sent him an email. Uh, I was just like, hey, bud, uh, just hope you're doing well. Uh, I was thinking of you or something like that. You know what I mean? Just like a quick hello kind of thing. And he wrote back to me, are you happy? And I was like, <laughs> oh, I got a new job. I just I knew right there yeah. like, oh, I, I have a new job. He's got something lined up and I'm, I'm probably going to go with him. 
but hindsight being twenty twenty, there because you know the safety net, so to speak, of being at a big sports. You know, I mean, there's eight thousand people that that work up in Bristol, and you know, like you like you say, you get signed from one show to another. There's some security there, right? Like, I mean, and basic stuff like health insurance and benefits, and you know, having a reliable job, and for the most part, feeling like, hey, you know what, like. I'm going to have a job next week and I'm going to have this pay and then to go independent. And then, so all of a sudden now you're, you're working at Dan's house and you're up in the attic and I never, I wasn't a part of the show, so I don't have any memories there, but what, like what sticks out to you from the time up there? You know, you've made that, that kind of took that, that leap of faith with Dan and now you're working at his house. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like ESPN is the destination job, not the one that you leave, you know, like that's the dream job really is like, you know, and so going into my boss's office to tell him like, oh yeah, so I'm going to quit. Here's my two weeks notice. I was like, I can't believe I'm really doing this. But yeah, it just felt like a real opportunity and you don't, you don't get a lot of like name brands like Dan Patrick calling you, you know, and be like, hey, I'm starting a company. Do you want to come with me? Like that happens once in your lifetime. You know, so for me, it was kind of a I did agonize over it a little bit and and asked a lot of people what they thought I should do. Um, but at the time, it was like, you know, I wasn't married. I didn't have any children. I just had to pay like my rent and my bar tab. And I was like, I was good. So it was kind of like the perfect time to take a leap like that. Um, that being said, <laughs> the planning process of the show was fun and it was really cool. And then the first day that I got to the attic studio, I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> this like this is literally building it from the ground up like there's nothing in place right now like we don't have any dan pointed me to like a dell desktop and he was like there you go i'm like dude you can't run a radio show out of this like oh my god this is crazy uh so it it was a real um it was a it was a a real eye-opening experience for sure to walk in that first day and even that first week and like all right i think i think we're gonna be on the air pretty soon like this is wild, um, but it, I'm happy that it happened that way because it really gave me a sense of personal investment in the product. And like, you know, I, I take a lot of pride in the show um, because going through that attic experience, I really believed that the team, we built this. You know, we didn't walk into a situation. We didn't walk into this massive play. Like we built that from Dan's attic into this whole thing. Uh, and so it's something that I, I am. I'm really proud of. There's, I mean, obviously what we have today is incredible, right? And it's thanks to the legwork of you. And, and, and honestly, there's, um, there's a guy that Dan talks about every once in a while, but the first affiliate, KLAC, Don Martin out in LA, who's yeah. still involved in the show. Um, how many radio stations did you guys launch with? Do you remember? You know, I want to say it was like 15, maybe. Wow. Um, it, it wasn't, very, it was still, I mean, 15 is cool. It's good. You know, um, but I, I don't quote me on those numbers, but it was something like that. It, it wasn't massive. And then it sort of little by little grew. And then there were a few times that we picked up a big chunk of stations at once. But, um, yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't many. I, I want to say it was like 15, something like that. There's always the story uh, for that sticks out in my head of Dan doing the show from his house, which is you guys came back from break and he's still outside. And he's, and he's, you guys are up on the third floor and Dan's house is, I mean, it's older, I don't know, 150 years old. I mean, it's, and those staircases are tiny and there's just a really small window. <laughs> I've been in the room now, it's just a bedroom, which is kind of funny too. Um, but, uh, and you can see the pool and then, so Dan's out there and he's, 
again, I'm not there, but it's your story. But, it, you know, he's out there and he's cleaning the leaves off of the pool. And you guys are like, hey, we're back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, at the time, there were no Danettes. And I, it might have only been me and Paul. Uh, you know, Todd might have been there at that point, actually. But it was like we weren't talking on air or anything. We were just behind the scenes, guys. And we're like, uh, you know, Paul and I are looking at each other like, what do we do? You know, like, like he's like, well, just wait a couple minutes. Let the music play out. And I'm like, but then uh, we were like kind of arguing, not arguing, but like discussing like which one of us is going to talk if he's not back which one of us says something and then what do we do or an easy gotta be bad like that kind of thing yeah. there's a little bit of a panic moment of like oh crap this dude is still skimming his pool and like <laughs> all right bumper music's playing yeah. dude we only got about 60 seconds of the bed here yeah. so <laughs> yeah yeah tyler you had something oh, no, i was just gonna ask uh, during that time frame if you were were you producing at that time or were you still on the tech side i well at that time there was sort of like there was only the two or three of us, so you like, you kind of did everything, you know. So I was still running the board. Um, I did like yeah, all of like sort of the tech stuff um, and helped with stories. But like that's always really more been Paul and and Todd are good at that, and now Andrew too. Um, in terms of and it, actually one of Paul's like real strengths is like his sort of nose for news and what we should be talking about. So he really handled. 75%, 90% of that, if you know, something like that. But yeah, I was doing a lot of the like making sure we we're still connected to the satellite and are we on time? And you know, we had an audio stream at the time, so I was monitoring the the like uh stream from the website and there was commercial inventory there, and then I was doing the commercial inventory over here. So it's like you kind of all wore a lot of hats, you know? Yeah, Marv. Yeah, was there a moment where the first moment where you thought, all right, we're we're gonna be in good shape, like we're gonna be all right. Uh, probably, uh, this might be a little later than everybody thinks, but when we built the new studio, uh, and when DirecTV bought the show, basically, and I was just like, oh, okay, we're good, um, because the things were a little dicey there up until that point, and it was like, uh, all right, I don't know, like, are we doing good or not? I, I, can't, I can't really tell. Um, and then DirecTV stepped in, and I think, Eric, it sort of goes a little bit more back to your point about a little bit of security, right. uh, having just a, a huge brand like... Um, DirecTV invest in the show and know that we had that uh, sort of financial backing was a real relief um, for me, for sure. And then just even the progress of putting the show on TV and, you know, the momentum that carries with that kind of thing um, was just like, all right, wow, we're really hitting it now. Like, this is really a thing. So you guys helped launch, um, I think it was an eight or nine year run of a network called the Audience Network at DirecTV. And was that really when you guys started having a bigger presence on air, both obviously visually, but uh, on radio side too? I think we were talking on air before that on, on radio, but obviously with the like added visual medium, um, it took on a whole other life of its own because that's when you started doing the commercial breaks. And that's there was a lot more room for your own personality to come through at that point where you just had this extra time where, you know, in the commercial breaks and we're doing the look-ins, it doesn't feel like you're actually on air. You know, but when you're sitting down in front of a microphone, you're like, oh, I'm on air right now. But then when you're just like running around and, you know, throwing balls at each other or something or trying to hit each other in the nuts, it's like, oh, no, I'm just hanging out. Yeah. Like, this is kind of fun. And I think that that's where all of the personalities really started to grow. I also think looking at the like the first day and you see the pictures of the studio and then the last day and you see the pictures there, um, Dylan has kind of a comment for you, but it's like it's amazing to watch both um, 
you know, I, I've been with the show eight years, so seeing kind of you all's personalities and brands grow, um, seeing the studio grow into, I mean, there was like seven pictures on the wall to like, literally it was like, well, Dan wants to hang something new, so you got to take three things down and do a Tetris thing. Um, and Dylan, uh, you had had a comment there about kind of the growth during that time. Um, yeah, so this is pretty hard hitting uh, stuff here, but <laughs> that's what we have Dylan here for. Um, I noticed, like, because we, you know, we play like the archival videos and stuff during the breaks, and like some of them are from, you know, like six, seven, eight years ago, even more. Um, and so I noticed, like, you were tatless at one point, and then they, so, you sort of like progressively go. So I was wondering, like, was that just like you got in, you know, like one day you were like, all right, I'm gonna I'm a tat guy now. No, no, it's so I had tattoos already. They just weren't visible. Not, not down here. Yeah, I just didn't go below the sleeve. And then uh, this is actually a great question because it, it directly relates to the show. Um, we, you know, like I said, I'm sort of involved in the sales integrations and stuff like that. And we got a buy from Spike TV, and they were launching this new TV show called Ink Masters. And uh, they were like, I don't know, we want to do some kind of like integration with the show or like, I don't know, like would somebody get a tattoo or something like that? I don't know. We're just throwing anything out there. And I was just like, oh, I'd get a tattoo. Hell yeah. Absolutely. I'm like, I already have a couple. Um, so it's not really that big of a stretch for me. So we, uh, you know, they signed the deal. Uh, it all goes through. I end up um, meeting uh, and working with this tattoo artist, Tommy Helm, who ended up coming in second place in the contest. A very controversial second place, by the way. <laughs> and he's gone on to uh, do other um, TV shows and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so we, we get this sales buy for a tattoo contest, and they're like, all right, you go get a tattoo. And I was like, well, they can't fire me if, I get, if I'm making the money <laughs> it's part, while it's part getting of a tattoo. Exactly. I'm like, they're getting the money for this. I'm just getting the tattoo. And so then that's when I have this one that's sort of like a, it's a heart um, sort of by my right bicep that goes below the sleeve line. And uh, I was just like, oh, okay, well, now I'm sort of off You're and running. At that point. What's that? You're committed at that point. Oh, 100%. Yeah, 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 yeah. And actually, you know, my wife laughs now because she's just like, you know, when I met you, you only had a couple tattoos. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. I'm you, still broke, like, you broke the seal, right? Slowly working on the sleeve, but it's, you know, it'll get there. I just thought it's funny because, like, there's even clips of, like, of you guys from the attic and stuff. And you, like, I mean, how old were you there? You were young at the beginning there, right? Uh, In the attic, I was 28, maybe, 29, something yeah. like that. Yeah. But yeah, it's just funny. Like, what? Well, it's just like something I noticed watching this stuff. It's like you can sort of see him pop up. Like, you know, it's like tw- like it'll be yeah. twenty seventeen or like twenty fifteen. Yeah, and- yeah, yeah. There's a little bit of like a timeline with the tattoos yeah. kind of thing. But I was I was a young twenty eight or t- I don't I don't remember if I was twenty eight or twenty nine. You looked pretty young. Um, I was I was going out every night. I was I was having a good time. <laughs> I was living life for sure. Um, and you know, th- by comparison, you know, the other guys on the show were either like already married with kids or just getting mm-hmm. married and starting their families and stuff. And so I was like the guy still coming in with, you know, the the stamps on my hands from the bar the night before <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. Bracelets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marvin. This is a question I always have for guys like you. Is there a time where you thought, what if I said no? Like you're at a Super Bowl or you're at a Final Four, and you just think to yourself, gosh, what if I said no? How much would I have kicked myself in the ass? Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, you know, I almost I got reminded of that uh, like pretty early on that I made the right decision in that you know, when, I, when I, I had mentioned that I had sort of consulted with people about like, what should I do? Should I go with Dan? And there were quite a few people that were like, don't do it. Huge mistake. Huge. Nobody cares about Dan Patrick anymore. Like it's sinking ship. Don't do it. 
And um, I don't know, I just had like this gut feeling that it would be the right thing to do. And then you fast forward just, you know, a few years later, maybe it was even less than a year or something. I had some of those same exact people at the Super Bowl, actually, when we'd get together and like some of my buddies would be there from ESPN. Like, hey, let's go get a beer or whatever. They'd be like, hey, man, I want to do what you're doing. Like, how do I get that set up kind of thing? And I'm like, dude, what? You don't. (laughs) You don't. I'm like, you tried to talk me out of this. I was probably a real jerk to them, to be honest with you. I might have been a little too honest, but I'm like, no, like you, you don't get this opportunity. You know what I mean? I'm like, you can try to find it somewhere else, but I don't know. Good luck. <laughs> it's, I mean, the Dan Patrick show is often imitated, right? I mean, there's lots of other imitations out there of people that, you know, are doing this radio TV simulcast and I'm probably a little biased similar to how you were in that, but like, I don't think anybody does it the way we do. And now, right. I mean, like there's, I think there's 11 of us here and you know, we're doing a show on Peacock and we're, and mm. we're on 360 radio stations and we're have all these different, you know, we have sponsor obligations. Also, like really it is incredible. And I'm jealous that you were actually able to be there from the ground up. Um, but moving into the thinking about the, another generation of the show, when we moved here to this studio, like a year and a half ago, and all that's changed in, in those 18 months, I wonder looking forward, you know, Dan has, uh, you know, decent length contract. There's a lot of shows ahead of us. What do you think will be different um, if we did this? We had this conversation in three years. What do you think will be different of the show or with the guys or what we're doing? Like, kind of just a little forward looking into the DP world from yeah, your perspective. That, that's interesting um, because right now, so much is unknown. I feel like, you know, maybe December. You know what? If you had asked me this coming off of the AUAA season, I would have a completely different answer than I do right now. <laughs> You know what I mean? Because like, you know, it's like, okay, what are we going to do with the Super Bowl? And how are we going to travel and all of these things, you know, and now a lot of that is just so put on hold. um, And like, we just I don't know, you know. Um, So I think I think the idea, um, I guess it's always been like that on the show in a way, but then it really seemed to go that way starting in this studio was to turn everything inward. Right. And so that's sort of like AUAA mm-hmm. or, you know, what kind of content can we develop internally just in here with what we have going on? It just in this one building rather than being dependent on outside travel, outside, you know, games or travel and, you know, things like that. Um, it, it just feels like a safer play right now to see what can we do in here. Well, and it's interesting, too, right, because when the pandemic really hit in early March and all of a sudden there's no live sports mm. to talk about. And, you know, we still were doing, I say we, you guys were still doing a three hour show and you had to fill it. And I think you're right. Like the having that built in of like the personalities with all the Danettes and, you know, Dan was able to kind of still goof around in the studio here, even though it was just him and Paul. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I hope, I mean, selfishly, I hope the AUAA comes back. You know, once we're kind of able to, mm. to figure out how we would do it logistically, you know, we had people, we've talked about it once on the show before, we had um, a whole control room in LA with another like 15 people that were working on the show yeah. then. And, and so we have to fill a lot of those roles and still man the teams, right? So we got to figure all those logistics out. But, you know, I mean, I think Dan is smart with, he's got his new podcast network that right. he's standing up and, you know, I mean, the most brilliant thing he did was give us this podcast, obviously. Clearly. Um, but no, I think uh, I think <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're building our little island here. And uh, I mean, I'm in and I think all you guys are in. Marvin, are you in? Come on. I was in day one. <laughs> you already know when you when you called me and asked if I wanted to work here. 
come on, I ain't even give my two weeks. I just didn't go back. Yeah, you're. Yeah, there, there's a story there. <laughs> you know what? There's actually been if you stand back and watch, right? Uh, which I I get to do sometimes. Um, and I'll just sort of look around and see what everybody's doing and what's going on. There's no there's no doubt that everybody here is all in. Just based on what people are doing, picking up extra slack, like who's out cutting the grass or something. Like people are taking on jobs that you're like, I don't even know how you got asked to do this, but you're doing it anyway. That like I know that the way that I look at that is the investment from the team is like everybody is all in on making this work as much as possible, you know. And I'm sure that Dan sees that. I'm sure that he's aware of that too. Um, but that to me is like the most encouraging sign is something like this podcast, right? That you guys are like. Yeah, you're on an island here, like creating your own thing, but like you're doing it well and you're doing it seriously, and everybody is stepping up to, you know, it doesn't matter what the job is. That's ultimately what the success of this whole thing is going to be built on: is people picking up that slack. Um, well, you you had mentioned the AUAA. I was just I was as my former teammate. I was going to ask if we could take some time here while Mario's not here and just rip him a little bit. <laughs> but, can we just flame him? Well, get it out of the way now so we don't hurt I'll, his feelings I'll when he gets back. That. Yeah. Well, uh, all right. So I just want to say that the AUAA is by far my favorite thing that's happened here in this <laughs> this era of the show, like Studio 3.0 or whatever we're going to call it, 2.0, maybe three, I guess. Um, is by far my favorite time of anything that we've been doing in this studio because it was like everybody again everybody was all in everybody had a role everybody was on a team everybody was like tyler would you know we would play a game he would run outside smoke a heater and then pick up a camera (laughs) and shoot the next game i'm like dude this is wild how do we this is amazing it was just my most favorite thing um i wish that it had ended better i really do um and it really bothers me that we can't play again or that we haven't been able to yet um but damn Mario, dude! <laughs> it's just so unfortunate that he threw that up. Um, and just even if he had just hit rim, it would have been it would have been much different. Um, but I know once we lost second place, and the best we could finish was third or fourth. For me, that was an immediate loss anyway. We might as well finish eighty seventh then at that point because I'm I'm already for me personally and for the team we already just lost. Like finishing second would have been a push, and finishing first would have been a win. You know, um, but I was just like, damn, dude, I handled it. You know what? I actually handled Mario's shot better in the moment than I do now. Like <laughs> at the moment, I was just like, no, nah, man, all good, dude. Yeah. All good. It's part of the game. Yeah. It's OK. No problem. Better team. Well, I don't know what I said. You know what I mean? But now I'm like, damn, dude, <laughs> why did you shoot that? Uh, over a year later, it's yeah. still. Like, why did you right do there. that? I know. <laughs> I know. And we've shot um, a couple of like opens and stuff around it, and he still has not mastered that shot. Like, if the same time, same place, it might happen the same way again. Poor guy. Uh, it's funny, man. Uh, go ahead, Tyler. Yeah. Just the most upsetting part about that is we totally had it against the grains number, man. Oh, we know. did. We had everything. Yeah. We, 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 you know what, too? Um, part of the problem is, is it, and this is me making excuses, I think, too, but... I was one of the only players that, before that, we had the All-Star game with Sandler. Mm. And those dudes worked us. Oh, yeah. And I played yeah. every minute of that game, and it was like two days before. And I think, I I want to say I had like 12 points in that game or something, which for our league is just like, oh, you did well that day. Like, mm. you you balled out as much as that's, you can. That's like our, dropping yeah. like 40. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I essentially had a triple-double. Um, <laughs> and then to, you know, just turn around and play that next game, I look back at it, and I'm like, man, we were kind of flat. You know, like we weren't really playing that hard or maybe I wasn't, you know, so it's like not that I'm making excuses, but um, as someone on the crush, uh, 
I was glad that we played in the championship, but we were super <laughs> outgunned. You guys definitely would have st- we got I think we lost by like twenty five. Yeah, which yeah. Which was close. again a ton to lose by. And um, we we had almost beaten against the grain. Yes. The we played three uh, times. Uh, one exhibition game and then one regular season. We, we, we got beat them in warm ups right? like in pregame. You never won. No, we it. never won, but we were we only lost by like two points yeah. in that pregame or something oh, like that. Like it was really close. Yeah. 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 Um but yeah, man, like yeah, uh, you guys. Andrew was just so dominant, and then you and you and Guzzy, Eric, you and Guzzy were just like Alan, Alan's pull up at the free throw line, like <laughs> crouch all the way down jumper. Dude the made it every single shot. time. And it's a hard. It's like impossible to defend because you like trying to hang over him, and he just sort yeah, of just rainbows. Just, yeah, it's a crazy shot, it's dude. Unorthodox money, though. You know what we it's, did? It. Yeah, he's his field goal percentage is probably the highest. Damn. <laughs> um. <laughs> By the way, oh wait, can we talk about this? Uh, Dan dropped it on air today. What's that? Um, and may- maybe you guys want to have a separate conversation about this, but there was talk about another show. Oh yes. I look. I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but yeah. that could be it's, pretty fun. I, I said this to Dan earlier too, like because like it, the concept of like the gambling podcast have been brought up before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so like, you know, like I like if I come up with ideas, I like jot them down or whatever. And literally last week I was like, it would be really funny if I was like, hey Dan, like why don't you give me like a couple grand of your money so I can like <laughs> let's see if I can turn it into something over the football season. And I was like that would actually be really funny. Whether he actually gives me money or you know, like just that idea. And then today he said that I was like, I guess we're on the same page. Yeah. So if someone wasn't listening to the show today for some reason, but does listen to Twelve Fifteen Club, um, what, <laughs> <laughs> whoever you are, yeah, what is exactly. that crossover yeah. audience? I'd love to meet that person. <laughs> Whoever those people are, oh, so little background. Uh, but basically, Dan had suggested that he would pick three people: Dylan, uh, Bad Rob, I think was the other guy's name, Bad, Bad Larry, Larry, Bad Larry, yeah. and um, and Shane Irving, and give them like fifteen hundred bucks each and. See See what they could do, and every week they would uh, kind of check in and see how they did. I, I, my money is on Shay takes it and goes to Vegas and's got nothing left after week one. Dylan, you have the I, same I, amount I, at the end of the year. Well, as <laughs> someone who I, I know how this story goes, and Dan's probably going to be at forty five hundred bucks. <laughs> would be my guess, but or or not. The only question is this is is the only thing that you really have to worry about. I think, right? This is just my read on it. Is don't worry about the forty five hundred bucks. Is Dan entertained? Yeah. Are you making him laugh? And is he having a good time listening to your podcast and finding out about your bets? Is he having fun with that? And are you making him laugh? And then that forty five hundred bucks is well worth it. Is the only thing you got to worry about is make it entertaining and you're good. But what's interesting about Dan and gambling is that every time it's brought up on the show, he's like, no, 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 I don't want to (laughs) know. So yeah. I feel like we have to like send him the podcast like the next week, right? You know, because right. like now it's your money again. You yeah, know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. that so. was that was what I thought. Like part of that concept of like him giving it to us to do, I thought plays into that too. Because it's like it's the sort of like you know I'm not going to place a bet, but like you could do it for me, sort of. Right, you know, like, right, right. All right. of a sudden, he's... like I'm not going to look. I'm not looking, but like. You know, all of a sudden now we have a pick segment every Friday. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. He's yeah, like, yeah. did you hear what I said, Dylan? Yeah. <laughs> He's gonna be wearing like one of those like see-through visors, like a riverboat casino dealer, yeah. just like scribbling <laughs> down notes. 
I just know if he starts coming in like wearing like a, a crappy suit and tie, like with it's all pulled out, <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. like there's always that guy, you're like, oh, I think that dude just blew the mortgage. Like, that's not good. He's got like the, He's Bel- in a bad the Belmont Stakes book <laughs> yeah, in his hand. Right. He's in a bad the way. Book. He's in a bad way. He's in a bad way. Might take on a whole new meaning. That's true. <laughs> Very true. So he's in a bad way, trying to pivot slightly. Um, one of the other things that you do see in is the merch, and you mm-hmm. you are a big part of the design process. And you know we've kind of doubled down on merch in the past six months, um, really trying to give stuff to the audience and and find moments in the show. So I want to go through. I want you to kind of show us a little bit. What's that process in terms of designing shirts, and how does that go? Uh, well, our, our merch guy, Jeremy, uh, has been with the show for, uh, man, I don't even know, eight years maybe, something like that. And actually, his first design was uh, probably still the best t-shirt we've ever done. At least it's my favorite, is uh, the broken glasses, that said, and it says McLovin yeah. on the side. Uh, he sent that in, and I was like, oh my God, this dude gets it, like hardcore. This dude is awesome. Um, and so then we developed a relationship. And uh, ever since then, he's been sort of in the picture. But then once, you know, a few things happened sort of at the early part of the year um, where we found ourselves independent again, um, at least for the time being. And um, we uh, it just felt like the right time to like, why don't we just like blow the doors off this thing and like start like just producing shirts because we usually have some fun moments out of it. it they're very rarely they don't they almost always come from something that's in the show um and so it's sort of like they're kind of always inside jokes you know that then when you're out say like at a bar or so there's a meet and greet or something and you're like oh my god that guy's wearing the fritzy bar mitzvah shirt this is amazing you know and 99 percent of the people that that guy meets has no idea what that shirt is <laughs> yeah. but if you know the show and you're like oh see that dude gets it and that was sort of the idea really behind it was like it's like this sort of inside joke like for the club you know it's funny you say that because i was at uh home depot in uh nearby the studio this week and i saw a guy and he had a dan patrick show uh hat on for miami and an atlanta super bowl shirt and he came, I was like, oh, hey. And he came up to me, he's like, big German. And I was like, hi. Like, I got like a cart full of stuff. Like, I'm doing this project at the house. And um, he was a big fan, Austin in Virginia. He calls in quite often. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he actually lives now in like, one of the towns near the studio. Really? Yeah. No way. And uh, so, <laughs> so it's kind of funny. But I was like, hey, man. Was, is Austin. I might be confusing him with someone else, but is he like one of the founders of Flinchball? Or is that a different dude? I think he's been around uh, for a while. I think he like, I think he actually had something to do with oh. like a case study and he's been involved. Like he... He's got some, I think that Austin in Virginia has something to do with Flinchball and maybe he didn't like invent it or be like a founder. So he might've been the guy who sent us the original ball or something like oh. He's got something to do with the, like that whole process. So he's sort of a, a legend in that, in that <laughs> regard. Well, he was, uh, he was just there at the checkout line with his son buying, he was buying Traeger pellets. And I was like, hey man. That's remarkable. Yeah, yeah it was great. That's also super on brand, buying Traeger pellets. Oh yeah, dude. I mean, he's wearing like a Miami Super Bowl hat. Yeah. Like, he, I don't even have one of those. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
I was like, this guy's all in. Uh, so uh, shout out to him. So Seton, as we wind down our time on twelve fifteen, you know, we got a lot of other things to get to. Yes. Uh, but uh, one other big news item from the show this week was, uh, and it has to do with uh, Adam Sandler movies. Obviously, today we had Sandler on the show promoting Hubie Halloween, which launches on Netflix on October seventh, I believe. And um, so he dropped the bomb that not only are you guys all going to be in another movie. But he offered McLovin a speaking role, yes. and I kind of wondered. You know, you've been in several Sandler movies, but also you act. You guys have acted in some pretty big kind of commercials for, for the show. But I mean, these were not like you know just a guy in his phone. I mean, these were big commercials. You guys talked about it a little bit with McLovin the way he walks and all yeah, that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. how do you think he's set up <laughs> for a speaking role in an Adam Sandler blockbuster movie? You know, it's actually it's one of the first promos we ever did is by far my favorite promo we ever did and it's actually a behind the scenes promo of the show that uh casey garrity had shot for us it goes back a while but it's all this behind the scenes stuff of like a promo shoot that we were doing and there's this moment where dan says about andrew i've never seen someone walk so unnaturally more naturally than Andrew. <laughs> and it's like, there's like this moment where all he had to do, it's like we did on the show today, all you have to do is like, all right, Andrew, and action. And he has just had to walk across the room and it was like he was on like stilts. Like he just couldn't do it for some reason. And he's like, that's just how I walk. What do you want? And it like turned into this little thing and it was hilarious. It was so funny. Um, but uh, you know what? Actually, now I've lost track of what the original question was. Well, the question was, was how do you think he's going to do, I mean, is he prepared for this? He, I think that he's going to be a ball of nerves before it. Um, but I think one of the things about Andrew is that he um, it, will take it very seriously. And there's something about the way the camera grabs his you know, face and like his body, everything, that's going to be great anyway. Mm. You know what I mean? Like he's just got these, like a natural ability on camera that I think he's going to be fantastic in. And I think if, if any of the Danettes were going to do something like this, uh, it should be him. I, that he's the natural choice for sure. He's he is going to be a wreck though, and he's probably going to have to quarantine. He's going to have to go down the. Like, yeah, he's got yeah, a. Yeah. He's going to be in his head for however long that quarantine period. And then is. unfortunately, we're going to have to live with him for the next however long afterwards yeah. when he makes his big feature debut. They were going to be like, oh god, Andrew. <laughs> So I wonder if someone else becomes the shark expert, though, because he's just going to drop that real quick. Yeah. <laughs> right. He's going to drop that real quick. I can. Uh, I'll take on the shark expert role. Yeah, I, I could see that fitting I, you. Actually, I did. I did shark research in the Bahamas after I graduated. Is that right? So I like could actually be. I don't mean I'm not an expert at all, but, but you're certainly you more seen, knowledgeable I, I might, than Andrew. I might be slightly. I might edge him out. Like, have you seen much. a shark? Have I? I have seen one. Just one. I've. I've. Yeah, I saw. I have one shark one time. It was at the aquarium, but <laughs> that doesn't count. You got to see it in the wild, dude. Come on. No, I, do, I dove with sharks and stuff. <laughs> Okay, Tyler, you got something? No great whites, though. It's, uh, I was just going to say, that, that's fu it's funny about uh, McLovin's walk. Is uh, Do you remember when we were in Miami and his, his I met his dad for the first time? Yeah. It's completely genetic, man. His dad, <laughs> his dad does the same exact I, I have such a funny story on that, actually. In Go Miami, on. like the promenade there, like the little strip, I was walking down to go do something, and this guy's walking like towards me, and I'm like... I'm like, that guy walks like exactly like McLovin does. And he's like wearing an Eagles hat. And I was like, <laughs> I was like whatever. And then like I go back up and then see like McLovin talking to him. And I'm like, oh, that's his dad. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That, you makes, know, his, that checks out. Andrew's parents are two of the nicest oh, yeah. people I've ever met in my oh, entire yeah. life. And you are like, oh, my God, that's it. Like there's no <laughs> yeah, doubt yeah, where you came was, from, dude. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're great. What like, nice see, people. When I saw them standing next to each other, I'm like, they're totally related. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. 
Well, Seton, this has been awesome. Normally we do a 10 to 15 minute interview with our guest and then we kind of talk and give our, our version of what happened on the week on the show this week. But uh, we spent the whole episode with you. This is awesome. It was a great conversation. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully you don't get killed with traffic getting home now. But uh, thank you. Yeah, Appreciate no, it. thank you guys for having me. I, I'm, I'm honored. To be a guest on the 1215 podcast. Thank you for not uh, icing us like uh, you guys shared those stories of uh, guests icing you guys today. I don't have that much. Uh, like, no, uh, I can't pull that card. No Harry Carey. No Harry Carey. No, yeah. Oh, to hell with you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, everyone. That's going to do it for us this week on 1215 Club. For Marvin the Prince, Dylan the Graphics Guy, Tyler the Moderator, I'm Eric the Big German. We'll see you next week. 